Welcome to the Quantum Connection Podcast. We are your hosts, Vanessa and Heather. Join us as we explore the new quantum health paradigm. Learn how to reconnect with nature to regain your health and to mitigate the impact of modern living. As quantum health coaches and classical homeopaths, our mission is to inspire and motivate you on your healing journey. This is for educational purposes only. Let's dive into today's show. Hi, welcome back to the Quantum Connection Podcast. I am your host today, Vanessa Baldwin. I am a classical homeopath and a certified quantum clinician. Today is a solo podcast because I wanted to do a solo episode where I share really the depth of my story and my suffering that has brought me to become a healer. I mean, like most healers, we all have our stories our health crisis, our health journeys that led us to become healers. And that's why we are passionate about it. And that's the impetus of my name. Um, I wanted to, I want to be a bright light in the world that I can really help people come out of a dark place and improve their health and their vitality. So I'm really hoping today that you understand my story of why I became sick with a chronic disease and, you know, how we can overcome that and what we can do to support our health and improve our health to help us out of these dark, chronic situations um, and what we can do to, to prevent chronic disease as well. So let's get into today's episode So this is my personal story. It starts all the way back as a baby. Um, Thankfully, I was born vaginally and I was breastfed, which is wonderful and very supportive to health. However, I was still a baby with colic, which I know is a sign that maybe my health was a bit compromised, even from such a young age. If you don't know this, we do get our gut microbiomes from our mom. So, and... um, my mom gets it, your mom will get it from, you know, your grandma and grandma's grandma and grandma's mama. So these things are just passed down. So people can be born in low levels of health and can have compromised gut microbiomes from a very young age. And I just think that that's probably part of my story. And then at the age of five, I started developing some chronic bladder issues. So I was having incontinence, which means I was, you know, wetting my pants and having urgency and frequency and just obviously having some struggles there. And of course, like any other good mom, my mom took me to doctors, right? Of course, that's what she's going to do. She's going to take me to the doctor. I grew up in a very conventional household. I didn't even know what alternative medicine was or even heard of any kind of alternative medicine ever in my life. So, you know, when we were sick, we went to regular doctors, like that's what we did. So, Yeah, we went to the traditional doctors. Of course, my mom didn't know any better. Uh, I, man, it would have been amazing if she would have known about homeopathy and circadian biology then, but I would never fault her. She didn't know what she didn't know, and when we know better, we do better. So we went to some traditional doctors. They ran some tests, and they said, okay, you know, we're seeing some bladder infections. We're also seeing, you know, a possibility of kidney reflux, which is where the you know, the urine is, you know, going back up to the blood, up to the kidneys. And we don't want to prevent, we want to prevent any damage to the bladder and the kidneys that could further happen. So the prescription for them is 
you know, to take long-term antibiotics prophylactically to like make sure you don't have an infection, you take this low dose of antibiotics on a daily basis. This is not a great idea, but of course, you know, we didn't know any better at this time. So I took long-term antibiotics from age about five to about seven or eight every single day. So now, if you don't already know why antibiotics are not good, it's because antibiotics actually mean anti-life. So in your gut microbiome, you have a lot, you should have a lot of diversity of different microbes in there. And when you take antibiotics, they don't discriminate between the good, you know, beneficial bacteria that we need and the pathogenic bacteria that's in our body. They don't understand to discriminate that. They just know to kill. They mean anti-life. So when you take antibiotics, they're actually killing the good and the bad. And you need a lot of good. You need a lot of diversity in your gut microbiome to, to fight the bad. Like that's the idea, right? So we need that diversity. So this having and it's also extremely suppressive to the immune system then right and taking long-term antibiotics like this can cause pathology to move deeper into the body anytime we use anything that's suppressive to symptoms like this would be you're causing deeper pathology you're causing damage to the mitochondria mitochondria actually bacteria you can actually just destroy your mitochondria just by taking antibiotics so i obviously destroyed mitochondria i destroyed my beneficial bacteria here taking long-term antibiotics i suppress my immune system greatly and this is probably one of them it's absolutely one of the major causes of why i develop chronic disease later on in life um i also grew up in a standard american lifestyle and diet you know a child of the 90s so we're eating the, the age of the low fat it's the age of processed foods you know, so I, I totally grew up in a typical standard American diet. You know, my mom cooked with the microwave. She had two of them. You know, she didn't know any better. You know, this was just how we grew up and this is how we lived. And it was totally normal. And, you know, we thought my parents, of course, thought they were doing a good job. I, I have very, very loving childhood and lifestyle, just that we didn't eat a very nutrient dense diet throughout our childhood. Um the only thing we didn't drink was my mom wouldn't allow soda, but we ate plenty of processed and crap, processed and packaged foods and junk that was not healthy. So anyway, uh, that's just how I grew up and that's just what it was. And, you know, when we know better, we do better. So now we know and, you know, to eat a more uh, nutrient-dense diet that is, you know, has a lot of healthy fats and, you know, proteins that our body needs, these essential fats and essential amino acids. So I also want to mention that I took birth control pills from age 16 to age 25. That was just, you know, something that I chose to do in my life as, uh, you know, to prevent pregnancy. And I did not even bat my eye as a young teenager to think that that would ever have any harmful effects on my health. But this is another huge, huge suppressive therapy that I took for many years, nine years of my life. This is huge. And um, obviously we're suppressing my hormone function. And I, I do believe that this was a part of the reason why I developed Hashimoto's later on in life. And of course, as you can see, I have a genetic you know, susceptibility or predisposition to bladder issues. And of course the 
years of antibiotics that I took did not stop that from occurring in my life. It probably only made it worse. And I continued to be susceptible there. And I've had reincurring bladder infections really all of my life. Um, it was kind of a chronic merry-go-round where I would get a bladder infection and get my antibiotics. And then I would have to take antifungals for yeast infections. And it was just this constant merry-go-round of antibiotics and anti-yeast um, or antifungals all the time, um, several times a year and just keep suppressing, suppressing, suppressing instead of curing, right? So that is a big part of my story is all of that suppression and that my susceptibility there. Now, I just want to remind you that we only get diseases that we are susceptible to or genetically susceptible to. We have genetic predispositions too. So obviously, the bladder is an area of weakness for my body and an area where I'm genetically predisposed to have issues there, um, as well as hormones. Why did I develop Hashimoto's later on in life and other things like that? You'll see, you'll see that in my history. Um, but we only get diseases that we are genetically predisposed to getting. Okay. I'm not going to develop, uh, I don't know. I can't think of something, but like maybe diabetes, like maybe that's not something that's runs in my family lineage, okay? You're gonna get the same diseases that run in your family lineage. And these get turned on, these genetic predispositions get turned on by our environment and the medications that we choose to engage with. So the medications that I chose to engage with like antibiotics, these things are are changing the the electron spin in my in my body. These things are altering that. They're altering my system in a negative way. They're suppressing my system in a negative way. So yeah, we also get genetic. We also can turn on disease, not only from, you know, suppressive therapies, but emotional trauma and physical trauma and, you know, poor circadian rhythm and poor circadian biology and all of that as well. So I developed, you know, I continue to have reoccurring bladder infections, vaginal infections for most of my life. I also developed obesity and hormone imbalances and some metabolic issues as well um you know just further showing the decline of my health and eventually i just had enough of the motivation is of course the weight right a lot of people are motivated that way and i was motivated to lose weight eventually i had enough of being really heavy and just not being unhappy with myself so i decided okay I got to improve my weight, my health. What am I going to do? So, of course, everybody, when they want to improve their weight and their health, what do they think to go to? Okay, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to diet and exercise, right? That's what, that's everybody's first move when they think about their weight, right? And, of course, it was mine, too. And, you know, we follow in the footsteps of our family. My mom had lost a lot of weight on Weight Watchers. So, I was like, okay, I'm going to do Weight Watchers, too. Like, I'm a super determined person, totally type A. Uh, which also probably contributed to my autoimmunity as well. I can follow a plan extremely well. So I was like, okay, I can do this. And I did. I went to Weight Watchers. I followed the plan to a T. And I lost about 60 to 70 pounds in six to seven months, which is probably a very unhealthy way to lose weight. Um, but that's what I did. So when I just want to just point out, if you don't know, when you do something like Weight Watchers, you are going to, they promote this in a way where they want you to eat low calorie. So of course, I'm not eating, I'm eating in a chronically, cal, I'm eating in a calorie deficit chronically for years here. I just want to explain that because even though I don't 
we I don't count macros or calories or any of that nonsense now. I think that's total BS and I don't do any of that. I'm so happy to be removed from all of that. Ugh, I'm so happy to move from all of that, believe me. But at that time, this is what I was doing. But the point is, is that when you're eating in such a uh, calorie deficit, you're not giving your your body, your engine enough gas. That's just the way it is. And even though I had enough energy, I was really surviving on more of a, a cortisol response than anything else. So this is not really conducive to health. You need to fuel your body. And yes, we do get our energy in other ways. We get our energy from sunlight and grounding. I wasn't doing any of that. I didn't know any of that at that time either. So this is definitely a part of the reason why I developed chronic disease as well, I believe. Because when you're I was doing that, the chronic low calorie. I'm also eating chronic low fat because in a company like Weight Watchers, they're going to promote a point system. So it's like eat a lot more artificial stuff, which is terrible for the gut microbiome. But it's like not that they promoted artificial stuff, but when you're doing this, you're like, okay, the heavy cream versus the premier protein. The heavy cream is like five points and the premier protein is one is one point or zero points. You're going to you're going to gravitate to that because you want to have less you want to eat the least amount of points in your system with things like that. So this is what happens when you eat that way. And I really think there was a big detriment. And of course, anything artificial is just garbage for you. And you should never do that. We should only be eating real food. Uh, Anything that's artificial and processed and packaged, you should just totally step away from. But of course, when you know better, you do better, right? So calorie deficit, chronic low fat. Chronic low fat, I also believed, also contributed to you know, my poor hormone health in the future as well. You know, we need healthy essential fats to fuel our body. We need cholesterol. We need healthy fats to fuel our hormones. We need it for for so many things, for allergy function, for brain health, for hormone health, for vitamin D. I mean, for everything. It's a whole nother episode, the importance of cholesterol, but we need healthy fats. They are essential for us. And without them, our health will suffer, and mine certainly did. Now, in conjunction with the low fat and, you know, all of this and the calorie deficit, I was also chronically exercising. So I started running marathons or training for marathons and weight training. And on the outside, I looked like a really healthy person, except I was always injured, which is another sign that my cholesterol, cholesterol helps with injuries, by the way, which is another sign as well that my mitochondria is not functioning. I'm not, I'm not fueling myself properly. I'm not taking care of my body, but I had plantar fasciitis and patella knee tendonitis and hip issues and three herniated discs. And I was constantly in PT, you know, trying to solve my issues and continuing to run and strength train and do all the things I did, you know, do some other things as well, like meditation and yoga and stretching and thought I was being really healthy on the outside looking in, you'd be like, wow, she's so thin. And I looked really healthy and you would think I was really healthy, but I was on the impetus of, you know, really of chronic disease setting in. And I'm just explaining all of this is because this is where I was at before I got chronically ill. And I want to under want everybody to understand that. So yeah, this really, really an important part. And I just want to explain too about the running on chronic stress. That was my life. You know, I would get up at five o'clock in the morning. I would go downstairs into my basement, turn on all the artificial lights. Whew, I'm jacking up my cortisol there, right? I'm looking at my phone. I'm, 
using my Wi-Fi uh, to do workouts and I'm putting my Bluetooth earbuds in my ears, you know, to do my workouts and I would start my day with a fasted workout, you know, every day before eating anything, before seeing sunrise, this is already, you know, you know, fueling this, this cortisol response in the body in a very negative way. And then what I would do is I would get the kids ready for school and then I would go off to work. I was a special ed teacher. So this is a high stress job as well. So, and quick paces and fast moves. And every day on my, um, my lunch breaks, I would go for walks outside, which was a good thing, but I would listen with my earbuds and have my phone and put my sunglasses on. Like I didn't know any of the circadian biology principles at this time. And you know, I just want to can show that I was really running on cortisol because then I would come home and it was the rat race with the lunches for the next day and the kids, the homework and the, the, the dinner and the baths and all the things and cleaning and laundry and like everything, just like, I just never stopped. I was literally like the energizer bunny that never stopped. And then the kids would finally get off to bed and I'd be like, still full of energy, so wired and I would like clean the entire house and get everything done and everything was like perfectly spick and span and just all the things. And then, and my day was like some sort of like treat, like Halo Top ice cream, like really late at night. And then I would go to bed at like probably like midnight and then do it all again and run on like no sleep. So only getting like a couple hours of sleep, maybe like five or six, but then not feeling low energy. This is my point of someone who's running on chronic high cortisol. I never really felt tired, but I was chronically injured. And you're going to see my development of autoimmunity coming next where I, even though I didn't feel tired, my body was never resting. It was never repairing. It was never rejuvenating. I never got enough enough melatonin to really repair anything in my system. And this was definitely a big part of why I developed chronic disease. So let's go to that because the first thing in my chronic disease that I develop is a condition called alopecia areata. You've probably heard of this before, but if you don't know what it is, it's a condition where you start Well, for me, it can be different for some. Some people can have a total hair loss where they lose all their hair. But I developed bald spots, you know, big bald spots and not really thinking that it was probably tied to some sort of like energy deficiency or or adrenal dysfunction at all. I was like, well, what am I going to do? I spoke to my mom and she's like, well, your, your aunt had this. She went to the dermatologist and they gave cortisone injections. Oh, my God. Such a bad idea. But again, I didn't know what I didn't know. And this is obviously a genetic predisposition. You can see it's run in my family. Another person in my family has had it before. And she said, well, you just go and you get these cortisone injections and it'll it'll take care of it, right? Cortisone is so highly suppressive to the system. And here I am now going to the dermatologist every three weeks and I'm injecting cortisone into my scalp, into my brain, man, when you know better, you do better. And I would never have done that now. But I again, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I went and I got these cortisone injections every three weeks, and it didn't cure it. Honestly, it would just move it. So maybe that one spot would get smaller where the cortisone was, but then it would develop in another spot. So I never really got rid of it doing the injections, but I continued to do so for about two years. um, Because again, I didn't think I had any other options. Like what else could I possibly do? Right? I don't want my, I don't want to be bald, right? So I'm like just trying to, you know, save my hair. Now, along with that, another thing that happened is 
you know, I'm prone to bladder infections, right? So I would constantly be in the doctors for the bladder infections, yeast infections. This was an ongoing battle. So I developed another bladder infection um, around 2019. I will never forget it. And I went and I went and got my, went to a walk-in and I got some antibiotics and they said, yeah, you have a bladder infection. I took the antibiotics. I took my round of antibiotics and I just didn't feel any better this time. Like, so this time I took the antibiotics and then after I was done, I was like, what the fuck? These didn't work. I don't feel any better. And I was really, I was pretty scared at this moment when that happened because that's a scary place to be where you're like, oh, I take this medicine and I don't feel any better. So I went back to the doctor and I said, listen, these antibiotics aren't working. Of course, I'm thinking I'm antibiotic resistant. I need another one. You know, uh, it didn't work for this this pathology. We need to take another antibiotic. He's like, well, let's check your urine again. And I was like, all right, want to check my urine again. And this time there's no infection. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What does that mean? He's like, well, I can't give you an antibiotic, which he's right. There's no infection. So I'm like, well, I don't know what to do here. Like, this is pretty scary. So they sent me to a urologist and they were like, well, I think you have something called interstitial cystitis. This is where, you know, you're, you've had a lot of bladder issues all your life. The lining of the bladder gets really destroyed through chronic bladder infections all the time. And, you know, now you feel like you have a bladder infection, but your bladder is really not infected. So, okay. So I'm still very in the allopathic model. What am I going to do here? Okay. So now I'm going to, okay, I'm going to take whatever instructions they say to do. So they tell you to, they do tell you to change your diet a little bit more like taking away acidic foods, which I did do. And I started removing some processed foods from my life and anything that was like artificial stuff in it. I, I decided that was a bad idea. And I, I do their allopathic treatment, which is bladder insulations where they put some medicine up through your urethra to help soothe the bladder lining and to help heal the bladder lining and help with any possible underlying biofilm infections that they can't see and whatnot and I do this on and off for about about two years without really getting relief of my interstitial cystitis but it wasn't tearing me down to the point where I couldn't live my life I was able to live my life I did notice a very big flare-up of my interstitial cystitis after a flu vaccination but I never really put that I never really correlated that till after my story gets a little bit more intense so I continue to do that. I also notice that my, you know, here I'm getting the cortisone injections for the alopecia. I'm doing the bladder installations for the interstitial cystitis. I'm, I'm still running myself to the ground, you know, living on the chronic cortisol, doing all the things, not even thinking about changing my lifestyle. I mean, I do add in some meditations and whatnot to try and relax my nervous system a little bit at times. I think I was able to do like a five minute meditation at that time. So I'm, I am trying to better my health, just not really realizing what else I really should be doing. So I do notice that my interstitial cystitis at that time is fluctuating with hormones. So I know there's some sort of hormone imbalance contributing, but I don't really know how to fix that, right? Then came the pandemic. I'm a teacher in New York on Long Island. So that was pretty stressful time. If you know about the pandemic, it was a pretty... Uh, it was pretty prevalent here in New York. Um, the schools shut down. I, you know, listened to the news. I listened to everything that they said. I wasn't thinking for myself at all at this time. It didn't even cross my mind to question the narrative. It didn't even cross my mind to question what they were saying. 
was maybe misinformation or scare tactics or, you know, all of that. I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. I just trusted. I totally was the person who like fed on the fear and picked up on the fear and was really fearful um, about the pandemic. So there was a lot of fear and anxiety happening within me during this time as many others as well. So yeah, lots of fear and anxiety going on. We closed down the schools. I was home with my kids. I couldn't see my family. It was just, you know, it was a tough time and I definitely felt the stress of it. Uh, But we were able to go back to school and back to work and um, I was offered a position to teach virtually that year instead of teaching with students. So I was deemed to be a virtual teacher, which I accepted. So here at this time now, my teaching is a little bit different. Instead of teaching with students, I would go into the classroom, but I didn't have any students. I was in my classroom underneath fluorescent lights, which is always the case. But now I'm sitting in front of, which are detrimental to your health, I'm sitting in front of three blue lit screens every day, blaring at my thyroid, and all that non-native EMF all day long without thinking about any like precautions, because I just, like I said, I didn't know better. Um, and at this time, I know, started developing symptoms after a few months of teaching virtually. Um, my injuries were worse. My joint pain was worse. My hair loss was worse. My hormone imbalance seemed worse. My, um, I was freezing. I was really freezing. I was more fatigued. And I just wasn't feeling well. Um, but I continued to do all the things because that's me. Uh, either I always pushed through no matter what. So I continued to still work out and do all the things and you know, um, put 150% into my job and my lifestyle, my life and my kids and all the things. Um, but I definitely, I'm pretty sure this is when I developed my Hashimoto's. I just wasn't aware. All right. So now you're going to find out the really big trigger for me. So of course now the vaccine is available and I'm like, all right, I'm, I have a chronic, you know, I have some diseases. I have obviously some autoimmunity, I'm the kind of person who's compromised. I need the vaccine, right? I actually thought I needed the vaccine. I actually thought it was a good thing for me. Man, when you just don't know, you just don't know. But I did not know any better, right? So that's the story here. The story of suppression and just not knowing better so I could have treated myself better. And I don't blame myself at all because it's not my fault that I didn't know um, at all. So I get the first vaccination and I immediately feel off in my body. And the main thing that I feel is my breathing feels really off, labored, tight, different. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. So I go to my other colleagues, you know, because I go back to work. You go the vac- you take the vaccine, you go right back to work. I'm asking all the my colleagues, um, did your breathing feel off after the vaccine? And everybody's like, no, I'm fine. And it continued. And I just was like, maybe it's just a coincidence, right? So three weeks later, you're supposed to get the next vaccination. So I, again, I'm just not connecting the dots and the symptoms with my body. So I went and I did it again. That was probably, that that was the tipping point. Taking it the second time really propelled my health in, well, really lowered my level of health drastically. This is, this was the tipping point in my bucket. This, my bucket just overfilled, either the toxin bucket overfilled, my level of health just went down the tubes too much, it was too much suppression for my body to handle, um, my body just, this is, this was my tipping point, most people who have a chronic disease know their tipping point, this was mine, ailments from vaccination, we take this in homeopathy, 
uh, ailments from suppression. This is this is what happened to me. So some of the things that I developed immediately were panic attacks. I don't think I've ever had a panic attack in my whole life, but just pretty severe panic attacks where I was laying on my classroom floor. I didn't know what to do. I just so severe, severe, severe anxiety, um, severe depression where I was crying every day. I had no idea why I was crying and I just was just so sad and depressed and crying. I couldn't get through teaching my students on Zoom without crying. So as you can see, my pathology is moving deeper into the body, okay? I was having a lot of, you know, physical symptoms with the alopecia areata, the interstitial cystitis, the Hashimoto's. These are really more physical symptoms, joint pain, fatigue, feeling cold, lots of physical symptoms, right? But now you can see my pathology starts to move deeper into the body after this big suppression of this vaccination where now I'm getting a lot of neuroinflammation right anxiety which I was having a little bit before so maybe I had some but the panic attacks is definitely more severe and the depression is more severe so you can see that when things get suppressed that pathology moves deeper into the body. Neuroinflammation and things like this, this is this is pathology getting deeper. This is not a good sign. Um, I also was having chronic debilitating pain. Every joint in my body, like so the, I had the joint pain, but it was like literally went from annoying to like fire, literally fire in all my joints. And I was like, what is going on? Um, so I also developed insomnia, like you couldn't fall asleep at night. Uh, the pain was really intense. I started having heart palpitations. The breathing issues continued. Gut issues really came out strong. I was having chronic diarrhea. Um, it basically just turned my whole life upside down. And then a few weeks later, because my immune system is so compromised and I'm so susceptible to bladder issues, what happens? I get another bladder infection and this time again I take the antibiotics and it doesn't improve now this bladder infection or this interstitial cystitis that we want to call it at this time this chronic infection rocked my world like you wouldn't believe chronic bladder spasms all day long and severe at night where someone feels like they're squeezing your bladder all day all night squeezing 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 to the point where I couldn't sleep all night. Chronic urethra burning, where my urethra felt like it was on fire all the time. Just chronic debilitating pain in the bladder, urethra, and vaginal area as well. Chronic vaginal burning. Um, really just those symptoms were probably, they were, they were the symptoms that were the hardest for me to handle. And it's even hard for me to talk about right now to how bad they were. I was up all night in excruciating pain every single night to the point where uh, I never slept. Like, and so now I can't sleep. I can't take, I had to leave my job after all of this. I wound up taking a leave from my job as a teacher, which I'm currently still on. I, I wound up taking that leave. I was unable to take care of myself. I was unable to take care of my family. If I, you know, you become chronically sleep deprived. So when you're in a chronic pain situation, night after night after night after night, you're not sleeping. You're never repairing. You're never regenerating. You just, you just never feel good. And uh, that was the case. I was barely able to take care of my family, do laundry, cook dinner. I was extremely exhausted. All the things, right? So. Uh, what am I going to do now, right? So, the, of course, 
in conjunction throughout this process, I'm, I was proactive. I was going to doctors. I, of course, I went to allopathic doctors. I went to a functional doctor as well. He was the first one to diagnose me with my Hashimoto's, although he didn't really find much else. I didn't really feel confident that he could support my condition. I went to a bunch of uh, allopathic doctors and really the, the hardest thing about when you're dealing with so many symptoms like I was, I mean, I obviously think that I had something obviously that's affecting my whole body on the physical, mental, and emotional plane, right? It's not just affecting just the bladder. It's the joints. It's the bladder. It's the brain with the anxiety and the depression and the panic attacks. And, you know, um, it's, it's my breathing, my heart, like it's affecting many systems. My gut is affecting all the systems of my body. So it probably developed something like mast cell activation syndrome from the vaccination, which is where mast cells are important. They're, they're there to they're there to help reduce, you know, the, the, they, the inflammatory response is there for a reason to help, you know, get rid of things. And I just probably developed some sort of like cytokine storm and just my body just couldn't recover. So I continued, of course, to go to, um, all different allopathic medicine doctors, which is where they decompartmentalize you. So I'm going to, um, I went to, let's see, urologists, uh, gynecologist, urogynecologist, pelvic pain specialist. Um, I went to uh, GI doctors. I went to rheumatologists, endocrinologists. None of them can help me. Um, the rheumatologist was so unhelpful. She told me to exercise more. I'm like, really? I've been chronically exercising and I'm coming to you for joint pain, but you're telling me to exercise more? That's not my problem, lady. Uh, endocrinologists were unhelpful. They couldn't help me at all. They said I basically had... Um, I had Hashimoto's, but there was nothing they could do about it. Uh, even though I had signs of low T3, it just was a disaster. Like there was no support. I really felt alone and scared and like I didn't know what to do. Um, I saw a pelvic pain specialist who, you know, gave me antidepressants and she gave me Valium suppositories and antihistamines. You know, they're just trying to squelch the inflammation. The only way they know how, I'm not saying that allopathic medicine is bad and that they're, they just don't know any better. They don't know another way. They don't know that there's other options. This is what they're taught. You have this disease, you take this medication. You have this symptom, you take this medication. They don't know anything better. They don't know how to individualize treatment. They don't, they don't have any other solutions for you. So when you go to them, this is what you have to expect. In an emergency situation, absolutely do you want to see an allopathic doctor yes in a chronic disease situation you're probably wasting your time and i did not know that until i went through it i just want to share one of the um solutions that was given to me as a 37 year old woman with interstitial cystitis the solu best solution that was given to me besides you know antihistamines and valium suppositories and antidepressants and cortisone injections and Botox and all those kinds of things, you know, when they run out of solutions, they tell you, well, the only other thing we can do is we can remove your bladder. That's what I said. Remove my bladder at 37 years old. Like I would have a bag that I peed in for the rest of my life. Is that like the most insane thing you've ever heard? This is their solution to remove my bladder? Man, I'm so glad I obviously did not go through with that, but this is what I'm talking about. They don't have a solution, 
So then they go to like, okay, this organ is causing you difficulty. Let's just remove it. Like we just remove our gallbladders. Like we don't need it. Like we remove our thyroids. Like we don't need it and take medications. Like this is not a solution. This is, this is like, I mean, that it just baffles my mind. And to tell you the truth, I know people that have done that surgery with interstitial cystitis, right? And they remove their bladders and guess what? they still have the phantom pain because you didn't solve anything by removing the bladder because disease is always rooted also anything chronic is also always rooted in the mental emotional so removing the bladder didn't really solve the problem they still have the phantom pain their body still remembers it i don't know if it's the easy water in the system remembering it or something there that's holding that trauma probably the easy water in the fascia that's holding that trauma and now even though they don't have a bladder they still feel that same phantom pain so this this is what i mean the solutions to chronic health issues are just usually not a great idea so please don't remove any organs you absolutely need your organs and they are 1000 percent essential for you to have in your body and I still every time I think about that how that was the solution that was given to me to help with my interstitial cystitis when it got to that degree of uh, just horrible pain it's complete insanity that's the only way to describe it it's complete insanity okay so of course after trying allopathic medicine and really not seeing any benefits I moved on to some other uh alternative medicines when you start to get desperate you're like all right well i've got to try some alternative things like i don't know what else to do here so i tried acupuncture i tried uh, pelvic floor physical therapy i went to a few functional doctors and got some functional lab testing done which man functional doctors are a lot of money they're very expensive and I honestly don't believe that they are getting to the root cause of the issue after going through it myself. Uh, all it did was create a lot of fear and anxiety in me because it was like, okay, now I have all these things wrong with me and I can't, I have this long list of foods to avoid and, you know, this is the problem and these are the things that I have to do. So going to functional medicine doctors and running all the, the testing, you know, I was diagnosed with mold. There was a, a Lyme infection that was noted that probably wasn't active i was told but epstein-barr possibility parasites h pylori chronic bladder and yeast infections adrenal fatigue hormone imbalances all the things right so i'm thinking this is going to be my solution they're going to give me some supplements and i'm going to feel better and honestly i did not feel any better on any of the supplements um i took you know, basically it's like a pill for every ill. So every, you know, they're trying to kill all of those things, the mold and the, the fungus and the, you know, the H. pylori and the parasites. So they're giving you things to kill everything, which is really no different than an antibiotic, right? They're just, you're not, you're not helping your body do it itself. You're just giving your body things to kill things. Like you're just, like even if you take colloidal silver daily, you could actually be killing beneficial bacteria in your body. So basically they're just giving me all these things to kill and giving me like different supplements to help with digestion and probiotics, which is such BS. I don't think a probiotic ever helped me and I took many different ones. None of them ever helped diversify my gut microbiome. I think you just, they just aggravated the symptoms. Um, so I did all of those things, of course. Um, I tried all of that. I tried avoiding all the foods that were on the, you know, the food sensitivity list. 
I, you know, I tried um, other modalities like energy medicine, like Healy and AO Skin, which is uh, frequency medicine. I tried a chiropractor who did applied kinesiology, who also gave me more supplements. Uh, I tried just, I mean, I, if there was something out there. I tried Reiki, hypnotherapy, like really all of the things. Like I was just like, if there was something out there to try, I tried it. I, of course, took a dietary approach and I did diets like autoimmune protocol, which is supposed to eliminate all of the, you know, autoimmune foods that can trigger symptoms. I tried low oxalate, low histamine. I tried keto, carnivore, GAPS. Uh, and through doing all of this, d different dietary changes, I also developed tinnitus. But, you know, some diets were pretty detrimental to my health, I have to say, um, especially carnivore. Carnivore caused me to have more difficulties with my thyroid, having more low T3, chronic diarrhea, and to lose my period for several months. Um, and I also developed tinnitus shortly after that, so I just think it was very stressful to my system. Um, tinnitus is a low humming or ringing in the ears that I, I have, which I'm still dealing with. Um, so yeah, I tried a lot of things to really support my health, and it was... It was just everything was an epic fail and you start to feel like a failure and this starts to take an emotional toll on your body as well. I mean, I didn't even talk to you about the um, the emotional issues that came through with all of this. But yeah, you there are a lot of emotional things come out because you're trying to get out of a chronic disease and you just can't. And that's can be really emotionally taxing to the body and the soul. So. I mean, we have to get to a better point, right? So I hope that you're seeing in my story is A, why I developed a chronic disease is really my story is a story of major suppression to my body and my symptoms. And that is a big part of why I developed chronic disease. And also a lot of the lifestyle practices that I was living, you know, poor circadian dysfunction and rhythm, you know, running myself to the ground, poor, poor diet, even though I thought I was eating healthy, I'm using air quotes here, healthy, you know, by eating Weight Watchers. This was unhealthy way to live. You know, low fat is not healthy. Um, and then I also really think that the functional medicine doctors and all of the, you know, the approaches there with the different diets also didn't really help and also just worsened my symptoms as well as all the allopathic medicines I took. So I hope you're seeing the story of why I became sick, you know, um, through this podcast episode. And now we want to get to the part where things start to improve, right? And of course, like things always overlap on a healing journey. I, I did more than one thing. I also, you know, I, I did therapy throughout this as well. Um, many different therapists I, w I went to as well. And I still see a therapist because, man, healing from chronic disease is definitely a multifactorial thing. And it's not an easy thing. And um, you have to hit it from many ways, mental, emotional, and physical and um, I did that as well. But somewhere along the lines, I learned a little bit about circadian biology. And the, one of the first things I learned about was seeing the sunrise. So I said, well, I've tried everything else. Might as well just get up and see the freaking sunrise and see if it does anything. And um, every morning I would get up and I would go out and see the sunrise. And I would stand there barefoot because I also learned about grounding. And I would stand or earthing. I would stand there barefoot, grounded, looking at the sun and setting my circadian rhythm and I also did a lot of meditating at that time and that kind of practice. And I, I did it for, for a long time. 
and I still practice to this day doing those things. The sunrise and the grounding is my the way I start my day every morning. I started blocking artificial light at night and I started to see some improvements in my health. Uh, and the two things that really improved the most were my my pain levels at night because I was I didn't have insomnia and I was able to sleep. So if I was able to sleep, then I wouldn't have insomnia and I was able to have nights without pain and have nights of full rest and being able to regenerate and rejuvenate. And I guess because I'm getting the surge of melatonin, I can regenerate, I can repair, and I was feeling somewhat better. Like this did help. So that was like my first ticket into, oh my God, I have some control here. I have some power here. I can... I can change this. I can change my health and improve my health. So that was one of the first things I did that I found really beneficial. Um, And of course, then I kept learning more and more about circadian biology principles. Again, I'm that type A personality where if I start learning something, I'm going to delve into it a million percent. So I delved into the circadian biology with... um, uh, you know, through all podcasts, um, through different people like um, like my homeopath, like Heather Shepard and Sarah Kleiner, who I started following, and I took one of her courses, and I started uh, following the Quantum Biology Collective and getting into their podcasts and just delving into all the podcasts I could, all the books I could, and just learning as much as I could. I stopped eating you know, at a certain time of the day, I started practicing, working on my meal timing. Of course, by this time, my food quality is way more improved and I'm eating a really clean, healthy diet. But instead of eating a more keto carnivore diet, I moved to more seasonal diet. I'm blocking artificial light at night. I'm, you know, mitigating my non-native EMF environments. We actually got ethernet in the home. Uh, we Before that, we were turning the Wi-Fi off at night to help us really rest and repair, which made an in, improvements. I started wearing red glasses at night, which helped. Uh, I just doing all of this. I mean, of course, getting tons of sunlight and really improving my, my light environment. So doing all of the circadian biology principles. And this is the foundation to health. And that really did help move the needle on my health. However, in my case of such deep, deep chronic suppression and deep rooted issues, my immune system just needs more support. And this is where I found homeopathy. And I wound up seeing uh, a classical homeopath who is my, who is also my trainer. I wound up seeing her. I'm pretty sure I had a yeast bladder infection at that time when I first went to her and I wound up seeing her and we treated it homeopathically. And I had a big aggravation, which sometimes happens with with symptoms. You have an aggravation. But then I had a big amelioration of symptoms. And that's what catapulted me to becoming a classical homeopath and training with her. It happened to be serendipitous that she was starting a practitioner training at that time. And I was like, well, I've been wanting to do something to I wanted I wanted to be a healer. It was very It was very much deep in my soul of something that I wanted to do to be a healer and help others and be a bright light and help people out of this dark space. So it just wound up to be perfect timing that I decided to jump full in and become a classically trained homeopath as well. And um, since then, I haven't looked back. I mean, I continue to to monitor my health and continue to improve my health using homeopathy. Um, I have been on homeopathy for about a year And I continue to do that. And I continue to utilize circadian biology principles as the foundation to health. 
uh, I want to say a few things is a number one homeopathy treats the totality of the person of their symptoms on the physical mental and emotional level and that's what makes it a unique medicine and it also treats the person based on their individual symptoms so it, it treats the person not the disease and that's what makes it a unique and special medicine and you know I want to say too that healing is a process and a journey and that for me, I need to utilize the circadian biology principles daily to ensure that I keep making traction and improving my health. And I need to continue to utilize homeopathy as my medicine to continue to, you know, remove the suppression, these suppressive layers out of my, off my system and to continue just to improve my health and vitality. So I just want you to understand that if you decide to work with me or anybody with a classical homeopath or someone with circadian biology, that these are not quick fixes. They are long-term solutions to health. And over time, I've seen small improvements in my health, and that's amazing. But this is a journey, and it's no quick fix. That's really important um, note I want to hammer home is that there's no quick fixes here and that you can't go back to the same lifestyle that got you sick. So it's not like, okay, I did all this. I did take a homeopathic remedy and I'm cured. No, it's going to take several remedies likely and years of homeopathic care. It's not like, okay, I watched the sunrise now and I block artificial light at night. Okay, I'm cured. Unlikely. These are practices and principles that we likely need to continue to do throughout our life to to continue to support our health and our healing because a you know we still have these susceptibilities and b sorry i had an interruption from a child but um yeah you just this it takes time and there's no quick fixes and we need to continue to practice the lifestyles and principles that support health throughout our life because we have these susceptibilities and we need to protect ourselves um from them so we need to support our body with our circadian biology practice that as our foundation and then using another modality probably to support your health and healing i love homeopathy because it has the ability to really um improve the suppression that your body has overcome and you may not have had that suppression as much suppression as i had and i hope you can see that the reason why i got sick was due to a lot of suppression but uh even if you had antibiotics or steroids or vaccines years and years ago, that's still, that suppressiveness is still there in your system. And homeopathy has the ability to help remove those layers of suppression and, and to improve your health. And from a quantum biology perspective, on an energetic level, what it does is it it helps the electrons spin more appropriately. It, it, turn, it makes the electrons now... Um, in spin in a more coherent way instead of in this more chaotic way and that's what you know why the the health comes back to the person so uh i hope this episode was really really valuable to you i hope it gives you perspective on a little bit about me you know the impetus of why i became a healer and why i want to help people in the world and why i want to be a bright light in the world because i want to help people out of this dark space i want to be able to support you on your healing journey and help you come out of that space. Um, you know, if you're there, I, I, I'd love to be that person that supports you on your journey. 
um, and be a bright light for you and support you in your health and wellness and vitality and, and get you to the best level of health that you can possibly be. And I hope that this episode also just helps you understand, you know, the importance of circadian biology and the importance of the medicines and lifestyles that we choose to engage with and how that really does impact our health. You know, the lifestyles that we choose, the medicines that we choose, these have an impact on our health and our body and we can make different choices. And when we know better, we can do better. And we have power here. We have power to change our lifestyles, to change our health for the better. Okay. So that's my story for today. And, um, I just want to say too, that, um, if you are interested in improving your health with circadian biology and homeopathy, I am a classically trained homeopath and I am taking new clients on. So you can visit my website at brightlightwellnesscoach.com to book in a session with me there. I take acutes, which is really important as well, because if you treat your acutes with homeopathy, instead of allopathy or antibiotics, that's going to improve your level of health. I also take chronic cases like mine. Um, and really, homeopathy can treat anything, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And I also say the same about quantum biology, it can treat anything. These principles are only going to help improve the trajectory of your health. So yeah, if you need to, if you have anything chronic going on, you want to sign up for an initial session and I can help you out there. And yeah, we can go from there. If you're unsure, we can always set up a 15 minute clarity call and that's available on my website as well. And if you want to improve your health with circadian biology and start with that instead, the lifestyle practices, these fundamental practices and principles that can really, you know, um, catapult your healing and combining the circadian biology with the homeopathy. Now that is the best approach in my opinion, because you're hitting the diseases from all angles. Um, but you can also sign up for um, a circadian biology session where I can look deeply into your lifestyle and kind of figure out where we can tweak things. So you are, um, where I can tweak your lifestyle to better support your health and healing and also there's my course that I have available. I have a few, but my main course that I would recommend for anybody who's suffering with any kind of autoimmunity or any chronic disease, weight issues, fatigue, any kind of chronic pain, um, you know, sleep issues, you know, insomnia, um, gut issues, I would highly recommend my Rebalance Your Rhythms course. Um, that will teach you all the fundamental foundational principles and lifestyle habits that you need to improve your health. Um, so I would highly recommend that. And I also have some homeopathy for acute. So if you're interested in treating your acutes with homeopathy, that's something you can look into. So yeah, that's it for today's episode. I missed my co-host Heather Crimson and we'll be back together next week, which I'll be excited to talk to you about. I don't know. I think we're going to continue with some work on homeopathy as well. We're excited to share that part of our knowledge. And uh, I, like I said, I hope this episode was inspiring and just lets you know that healing is possible, that you don't have to live with chronic symptoms. You can change the trajectory of your life and you can improve your health. It just takes some effort, patience, and persistence and know that there is no quick fix. It's going to take time. 
So I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I will see you on the next one. Have an amazing day. Thanks so much for joining today's show. For more information about Heather and her offerings, see her Instagram at Heather Crimson or go to her website at enlightenedmood.com. And for more information about Vanessa's offerings, visit her Instagram at bright underscore light underscore wellness and her website at brightlightwellnesscoach.com. See you next week.